0: e-commerce expansion myths blasted successful cross-border expansion help listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits hosted by Andy Hooper of global e-commerce experts does anybody else just love that tune? I just find myself just rocking to it every single time. Anyway, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are from. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. My name's Andy Hooper from Global e-commerce experts, and this is the e-commerce expander secrets podcast. Uh, our, where we have established, esteemed guests, uh, and we talk all things e-commerce. So, um, I'm really, really excited to have today's guest. So Ryan, uh, round two for you on, on, on our podcast. So, hi and welcome
1: hello uh good morning good monday uh wherever you're tuning in from hopefully it's still monday but yeah thanks for having me on again it's i know we've been trying to come back on again and talk to the state of e-commerce so i'm excited to be on here once again
0: fantastic well uh for anyone that didn't catch the original uh first episode we did with Ryan, we'll make sure we put a link to that below and in the comments and all those bits that happen underneath that so you you make sure you can get that uh because i think there was some great uh, bits that came out of that and it was great to hear ryan's story as well and, and how he got into e-commerce so uh that that's always going to be there so uh you know what is this podcast about this podcast really is about talking to other e-commerce leaders, other people in the industry, talking to people that have a real insight into what's happening. You know, it's much better for us to talk to, share, and just have a general chat, conversation about what's going on right now uh, and share that knowledge. So, uh, Ryan, uh, let's just do a quick intro. Uh, Let's just tell people a little bit about you and, you know, where you work and what you do. How's that sound?
1: Yeah, no problem. So uh, the 32nd is is my background. I work for Ping Pong Payments, so we're a global cross-border payment solution that helps people save or send money when you are um, working in e-commerce or just in business in general, whether it's paying a manufacturer, supplier, distributor, VA, um, we can help you save money and and kind of get rid of some of those excess fees and then receiving it in any sort of marketplace like uh, Amazon, uh, Etsy, Wayfair uh you name it we can probably uh help you that in saving money so that's what ping pong payments does um my job is to kind of be brand ambassador uh content thought leader uh anything and everything from podcast host to webinar host to just kind of giving some thoughts on the e-commerce landscape my my company is fantastic because they span a lots of different things fintech kind of will span any sort of commerce uh but my background uh specifically comes in E-commerce, uh, working for SaaS companies and selling direct to consumer, so I have that experience as well. But that, that's kind of the the thirty second uh, look into my life on a day to day basis. It's it's crazy and always always changing, and uh, every day is different.
0: Well, uh, do you know what? Uh, on that, I was at a conference last week, uh, or uh, where we were exhibiting, and. Uh, there was a lady called Karen Brady or Baroness Karen Brady of Knightsbridge or someone but over here in the States. And we, you have the apprentice over there, don't you, Ryan? Uh, yes,
1: yes, yes, so yes.
0: She's one of the aides on the British apprentice. Uh, okay. give you a bit of so we was, I was listening to what she had said and she said that you know, sometimes, you know, um, you know, 10 years, you know, takes, you know, a, a week feels like it's 10 years but sometimes 10 years feels like it's a week uh and you know what e-commerce the whole e-commerce thing you know it just goes at such a pace and such velocity that nothing ever stands still and things are always changing And i feel like you know we've had 10 years in a week here uh every week is like 10 years worth of business that seems to go on and if you have a day off you come back and you're like whoa what's happened like it's bonkers and e-commerce like that. So this is where this com- these conversations are great because, you know, you, so much is happening and so much is changing. It gives us an opportunity to talk about it. So uh, so thank you very much for joining us. It's much appreciated. Uh, so so let, let, let's start with uh, e-commerce. You know, let's get the, the big piece over, over and done with. We've got – let's start with Q4. So mm-hmm. obviously Q4 is here. Uh, if you're not prepared for Q4 now, you're probably going to miss it uh there we've said it is that fair ryan
1: that's fair well we're in it we're in q four so october through gosh is what today's the 18th of october so you only have two more weeks left of october um this is actually unlike other years actually prime shopping season right now that's kind of my first takeaway right is uh what do we think about q4 i think people have especially consumers have heard the shrieks of anyone and everything in terms of retail or online, that inventory will run out by the time you get to mid December, which is everyone's fear, um, just because of ports and everything like that in terms of shortages. Now's the time to buy your Christmas uh, gifts or your holiday gifts or whatever you might be celebrating. So a lot, I'm, you're starting to see a of people, you know, just shop earlier and earlier. And if you haven't planned out for your holiday sales or any sort of promotional advertising right now this is the time that people are doing it. Believe it or not, um, people start thinking about Christmas in October, 40% of people in the industry, I say across the world are thinking about Christmas shopping in October or earlier. So 40% is a big chunk besides obviously lead up to Christmas in November and the weeks leading up to it. But if you're missing out 40% of potential sales for your goods or services, that's, that's a large chunk. If you're not ready for that already.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got there's a couple of people in the office here. They've, I mean, they've done all their shopping. You know, they've yeah. they're done. You know, they're, they're like smart.
1: Uh, I used to yeah. make fun of those people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite right. And this year, and I think yeah, yeah, that logistics piece. You know, people are exactly here in the UK. Uh, shops are warning that you know there's going to be a lack of stock, and come Christmas, there's going to be nothing left. That's everything from your Christmas turkey all the way through to your. You know, your pants and socks that you might get in your stocking present along with your bike, whatever it might be. They're warning of all this catastrophic, you ability of not being able to get anything for Christmas. Like it just, you, there's a lot of scaremongering going on. Uh, I don't know you. Let's, how real is it, do you think? Like, how, you know, you know, how real and let's, talk about, let's talk about amazon side because we're not going to start talking about turkey carrots and all the rest of it let's just focus on the on the e-commerce side that we totally understand you know, what's your thoughts like how real is that
1: i think in e-commerce it is a real threat to people depending on who you are like if you're an experienced person you probably have inventory, you have all these things somewhat figured out. You, you've been talking about it for so long, you probably have those relations where you can buy massive amounts of quantity, even though it might be sitting in a port or on the boat for a long time. It might not have get, gotten there, but it is real. You, you're seeing a lot of these um, kind of warnings come up from Amazon, right? Amazon moved yep. its date uh, in terms of Inventory limits are released to have stock in. It said December 11th before Christmas. Um, now it moved it up to December 3rd. So Amazon keeps moving these dates for farther and farther up because I think Amazon is also very much in fear that when people realize that they have to shop online or if their goods are going to come to them at a delayed pace, can't get it at retail, they're worried that they're going to be running out of inventory for their their top sellers, if you will. It doesn't matter what category; it just across the board so much commerce is happening, but it's just prolonged now. So I think they are truly the, the person who's not tuned into the industry, like you and I are, I think you're going to start to see these uh, these happenings of, Oh my gosh, my kid wanted this, this major toy. You're not going to actually see some of these uh, big deals that are happening anymore because you don't need that drive of purchase anymore. Like the reason whole reason, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, all existed was be to drive commerce. Well, that's not the case anymore. I think you're just going to have such a limited inventory happening in the first place, you're actually going to see prices stay high and that's going to concern a lot more people. So yeah, a lot of people, what they might fear is less shopping instead of the quantity of shopping and you have to drop their prices to make sure that they purchase with you. So that's kind of my fear of the industry and specifically Amazon of making sure that that natural wave of people who are having that capability of inventory and stock, and it's not just sales right now, but it's to keep rank, right? Um, if you run out of any sort of inventory Amazon will torpedo, you're, you're listing to the bottom of the ether that is their algorithm. But a lot of people I've heard is I have to actually turn off some of my spending. So I literally don't run out of inventory. So it's just the mass amount of how much I can actually put in there because of Amazon's limitations of inventory in the first place. Plus, just the natural growth in sales craziness that is this time of year. A lot of people are just afraid of, of just running out of inventory. So um, there's a lot of fear in multiple different ways. Of is this going to fuck my business even after Q4? Not just during Q4, but after Q4.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on a really key point there. That the more sellers I'm talking to at the moment, the majority of them are all talking about. Well, actually, at ad spend, we're being really cautious with that right now because, you know, if we go all out like we have done in previous years, we could be out of stock and that'll affect our ranking for next year. You know, and, and this is a long-term strategy, not a Quick, you know, quick buck we're flicking here. So actually, there's a balance between selling out your stock and selling all your stock. Hurrah, great! I've sold all my stock. But once you've sold out, that's it. You you, you game over. And you're getting stock back in is a very real you know, is a very real issue. You know the cost of you know, moving stock backwards and forwards, and the time it's taking is is significantly longer. So I think there's definitely a huge amount around that. Okay, so so that's the sort of Q4 um, you know, logistics piece. What um, do you see as you know? Because really, the top sellers have, have done Q4. They're in Q1, Q2 now. They're they're planning and looking forward. You, know, what do you see as the key trends coming through that people are talking about for Q1? You, know, what are the sort of things that people are saying? You know, I see this is how you. Know, this is what's going to be starting to change and shape what we're doing.
1: Hmm. Um. Amazon, at least in the last couple of years, they like to make these the, these major stings about a certain topic or trend, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, they, they want to put their flag in the ground and say, all right, we're going to sh- not shake things up, but we're going to make this a prominent focus of what we want to do. Uh, this year, you're actually seeing quite a lot, and this is and this is just like happening on an hourly basis of new reports coming out of ranking manipulation, review manipulation, um, in terms of any sort of if there's any sort of loss in trust of a product that's on their platform, I would say theirs, Amazon's platform, is a major major shakeup. And Amazon has done it. They've removed lots of major sellers, uh, no matter what they might be. They've encountered any sort of potential manipulation in terms of rank or review strategy in terms of, and again, I say manipulation. If the seller's out there listening to this for the first time, it could be rebates, it could be in terms of, um selling uh goods to a pool of buyers that, at, at extreme costs or refunding uh their purchase back on amazon that's what amazon dictates technically review manipulation of hey if you buy this product i'll give you 100 percent like gift card back or a credit back to your product and then as long as you review, as long as and then it's a quick pro quo right um that yeah. amazon does not like that it, it sees it as falsified information is not um It's not something that's true or valid. Uh, and I think you're seeing a lot more crackdown on that and you're going to see a lot more either companies like service providers, but also just people who have partaken those gray black hat tactics start to get really hammered on those. And I think that's where a lot of shift is how do you re refocus your launch strategy, your review strategy on Amazon and that's working with more influencers and micro influencers, working with more, uh, you know, thought leadership, working more with, uh, content creators and things like that, actually developing a brand instead of, Hey, I want to blast this product out there and then rank it really high and then just keep it maintained at that level. Again, PPC strategies and things like that. There's a lot of strategies of it's more pay to play and more thought behind it instead of give a lot of product away refund it and then you're at the top and let that naturally kind of lead your lighting lights or I I think that there's a lot of reshifting of the focus of not just software but also services that that kind of help with those and what you need to do to kind of be legitimized again continuing in the space
0: well I think there's two things there I think it's totally right that that being a legitimate business that's got no black hat there's just a solid Business, you know, there's no cheating going on in any way, shape, or form. Second thing we alluded to there is brand. You, the one people that we see the winning right now is brands. Brand, brand, brand. Do you have a brand? What is that brand like? You know, what influence are you using? You, how are you using storefronts? How are you using enhanced brand content? Are you using videos? All of those things, Amazon's gone in for a much bigger focus around the brand, you know, and I think we see that you aggregators you know they're buying brands they're not buying anything else they're buying brands now i'm not saying everyone's goal is to exit with a brand and exit but you know that that piece of the era of brands are starting to come into their own so i totally agree with what you're saying there that that's a massive piece right now
1: um, absolutely there, there's actually on friday um I, i'm not pitching this for anyone but there's a study that came out with this data back in june again the industry kind of shifts all around of yeah. where you talked about aggregators i call them brand builders like i feel i don't i don't know yeah. i feel like there, there's this like this um I, I like to be on the positive side aggregator somehow feels like negative in the space and so like yeah. <laughs> just like this this like you say you say almost like a like a like not swear word, but like just a negative connotation about it. But like, if there, if there's more companies that are going to come to the space of brand building, right. What is it that you're going to know, or what is it that they're looking for in terms of profitability, what they want to actually achieve to grow these b- brands and, and take it to another like scalable partners, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the report came out, it was actually interesting. And I thought this will shift actually more in Q1 and Q2, and maybe towards the end of this year, uh, the focus of just Amazon sales, um, and private label sales. I think that you're going to see this, this pretty massive shift on people who need to know that there's diversification out there and that you have a audience that is built around, um, direct to consumer wholesale, as well as Amazon. And I call it the three pillars. Like if I had to stake, what is a a successful business in the Amazon landscape and you consider yourself a brand I'm going to look at for three major things. A, are you established on Amazon? You have great track record. I think that's the center pillar of any sort of major quote unquote brand on Amazon. Then second, do you, have you have you found this next wave of direct to consumer um, ship that you can develop, whether it's your own traffic and you have this own loyalty and you have your own customer base, you have all these other assets that are kind of tied to you that can purchase directly from your brand or website. And then three, do you have a relationship where of commerce is still happening and that's still in retail. Do you have relationships with a target, a Walmart, a Home Depot, or Lowe's? Do you have the shelf space that people still wanna touch, feel, buy when I need to get um, a quick gift for somebody. If it doesn't happen on e-commerce, it can also still happen where these people are still shopping on a day-to-day basis. So no matter where the gauntlet is, that instantly is gonna make this, that's what aggregators, I believe, wholeheartedly are going to look for. Again, if it's something that can be purchased over and over again in the direct to consumer channel, um, you're going to have that wholesale focus and mentality, but then also you have an establishment on Amazon. So I think instead of just on Amazon, you're going to see this diversification omnichannel presence, if you will, and and really start to build out these quote unquote brands, um, more and more in the space. I think that you had that old, that first wave of brands being purchased on Amazon now you're going to see where this the second wave if you will a bigger splash of more money coming into the space but they're going to look for more right you want you want more out of that in terms of scalability profitability and just like reach in general
0: yeah I think that you the diversification across multi-channels has to be the ultimate winning model for those that have got the time and resource because yeah we see here in europe i mean europe's a great example of that you've got 28 countries you know you've got you you've got amazon in the majority of those you know, or availability in all of those but actually in every single one of those countries you've got additional marketplaces that are different and specific to each of those countries
1: country, and actually
0: yeah. some of those are amazing oh there we go sorry i muted myself there uh, in some cases they're, they're bigger than Amazon. So, you know, that omni channel you discussed is absolutely critical that sellers get right because they can maximize their opportunity. You know, here in Europe, you know, they can double what they do on Amazon easily in each country by being on other ma- marketplaces. It's just about being aware of everything that's around them and just going direct to consumer. You know, have they got right. a oh, website? What does that website look like?
1: You know, how do they drive traffic to it? There's so in- much they can do. Indeed. Yeah. That's where I think, like, that I kind of have this negative or not negative. I think where you see a lot of people are like, oh, I only want people that sell on Amazon, right? I get why that is an allure and I know where that's successful. And even the data that was being showed in these in this report, again, um, it's from Fortunate. So they um they're they're great. I think there might be, even be uh partners, you guys, but they're a brokerage in terms of helping facilitate and they they surveyed, I think like 42, 43 um of these companies across the space no no matter where they might be located but i think the reason why they look for specifically on amazon is just because of the main power it takes to be really good at not just on amazon but if you say all right we want to yep. be good with that brand but also a direct-to-consumer that takes a whole nother team to know marketing you need to know uh customer retention you need to know website you have to have developers that know exactly how you can kind of ease people through the checkout processes you have to have a social presence you have to have a whole big wave of teams and i think that's scary for some of these um these brand builders at scale because if you have to do all that for amazon and then replicate that that uh standard operating procedure for a whole nother distribution channel that's a lot of manpower that you have to retrain get really good at but then just almost like that replication process, more people yeah. means more money means more you know, investments. And is that the quickest way to do that? Maybe not, but that's why if you're, if you're trying to actually build this brand building machine, I think you're going to have to have these departments that really do specialize in each of these channels. Yeah. And um, you know, the re- the reach is phenomenal, especially like you said, in Europe, not everyone uh, adapts to just on Amazon. It's, it's CD discount. It's, um, uh, I'm trying to think of all the different marketplaces in each of these, yeah. uh, you know, like awesome. Ricardo Libre in yeah. South America and Rakuten in Japan, like those are all much more apparent in those specific countries because of Amazon just now, you know, just launched its, uh, in Egypt marking its 20th marketplace. Uh, you're going to see the slow adoption across the world, but it's still, you, you still want to play where m- most people are making their shopping happen. In that regard.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay, fantastic. And let's get on to ping pong. What's what's happening? What's new with ping-pong? What's uh what's new over the next sort of you know, what's happened over the last six months, and what's what's coming for the next six?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, so kind of what I alluded to this and I talked about in our first episode is uh there's we, we have these three pillars, right? I said it earlier in e-commerce, the three yep. pillars of uh, Amazon, Amazon, to consumer, and then Holds um, out. We're we're trying to build out what what Pong is trying to build out is this sort of ERP or this at scale. How can I use this engine that we've built out and partnered with all these different um, you know great marketplaces and uh, great sellers across the entire world? Now you know helping over a million customers worldwide and it continues to grow. How do we continue to use that and not just receiving or sending money, but like what other aspects can we? touch on people's lives. For example, everyone in the world, if they are not selling online, you you can start to see the fact that remote work is really more important. You can have teams internationally around the world all working together. How can we effectively help them with payroll? How can we help in the supplement, uh, supplier function of paying out um, goods and services in a different country with localized uh, currency instead of paying international transfers uh, or international wires, I should say, and really saving money in those regards. So not just looking at e-commerce, but making that the focal core. And how do you effectively start to make these different tiers more profitable in that regard? So uh, bookkeeping, helping people, um, again, get their goods quicker by working directly with manufacturers and distributors. That's super important for people nowadays, especially with logistics kind of Um, blockchain if you will or that that kind of like bottleneck how can i get my goods on the water or in the air quicker um and and those are the kinds of problems that we're helping people solve on a day to day basis and then also talk about in the aggregator space i think you can see just like big business acquisitions um kind of handling in that space of hey we want to start to take this brand or this company under our our wing or our belt and you're seeing a lot more um, acquisitions or just massive um, purchases in these spaces, how do we help with those business transactions and um, the fees associated with them be negligible in that regard? So building this all encompassing ERP, if you will, this, um, the solution where it's a growth partner instead of just a, a one-off scenario of, oh yeah, I'm going to receive my remittance from Canada. Big deal. Like I, like that, that's not what gets up us up in the morning. I think it's the solving of problems of of fees in general and just getting money from one point point A to point B quicker, more effectively instead of the old way of doing banking and finance.
0: Fantastic. Okay. I love that. So, uh, going from strength to strength, which is what I love that, that ability to support, help, nurture, uh, do anything they can to support the sellers. Like, yeah, at the end of the day it's the sellers that are expanding the sellers that are moving cross border is absolutely critical. So that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay. So we are coming to an end. Um, Ryan, it's been absolutely super having you on. Ryan, if people want to get in contact with you, they want to get learn more about ping pong, what's the best way of doing that?
1: Yeah, so um, I've I've always had um, kind of a link that people can just chat with me for 15 minutes of. Just want to pick my brain on thoughts of e-commerce or just want to learn more about ping pong. Um, apart from the social media, um, you can just search for me on there, but um, you can either eat uh put 15 minutes on my calendar and it's um uh, calendly.com forward slash partner with ping pong and you can it's it's my access to my calendar where we can just chat about your business how there's you know potential alignment whether it's co-marketing or just you want to learn about more of our um our services and solutions and i you get to talk with me and we get to vent and do stuff like this about your business and challenges you might want to overcome and where we might be able to partner or if we can put in to uh, one of our other partners that either have a problem with logistics or uh, anything like that. Like I said, my background is in e-commerce, so I've kind of opened up my calendar to say, how can you learn more about ping pong, but how can I help you as a service or a seller or just a company in general and point in the right direction, at least uh, what I can try to help with in that regard. So yeah, that calendly.com forward slash partner with ping pong and you'll get my calendar or just feel free to message me directly on social media on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook in general. Do
0: you know what's strange? You, there, there's so many ways that people can actually contact you. When you say, "Yeah, just search me on uh, on on Google," and I'm sure you'll find something. There's Twitter really in there, for...
1: yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, like some of them I monitor, and people reach out in different ways. And somehow they always figured out. You can comment on our live streams. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you'll find me um, out there in the ether. Uh, I call it my corner of the internet, but uh, where people find me, but it is what it is. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic. It, it's almost, it was almost too much, right? I'm sure Andy, it's like, yeah. you're fielding people's uh, questions or comments all the time. You're like, where do we talk about this? And you have to search all throughout all of your apps, all your messaging, but to be kind of available for people, I think that's where commerce happens. It can be on WeChat. And when Facebook went down a couple of weeks ago, everyone freaked out. I was like, but you have all these other different apps and communication processes yep. you can do but uh it is it, it's a fascinating world that we live in still to be available 24/7 and shopping is 24/7 so um but yeah that's how people can get in touch with me
0: fantastic it's it's um sometimes people message me and I'm like, I've got to reply to that person. I forget where they've actually messaged me. And you're looking for all these different apps to work out what's the best way. I'm sure I recall that happening. Where did that happen? You're going through all of it. Anyway, uh, I'm dragging on. There we go. Ryan, is an absolutely amazing having you on once again uh, to hear your insights, uh, see what you think about Q4, leading into Q1, Q2, and then into ping pong. That's been really, really useful. Uh, hopefully, a lot of people got a huge amount from that. Understand a bit more you know, the experiences, the trials, the tribulations, you know, it's not all bad. It's all pretty epic. And it's all about focusing on driving traffic and driving your business forward. Uh, that was it from Global E-commerce Experts on the E-commerce Expanded Secrets podcast. My name is Andy Hooper. to successfully expand e-commerce sellers into Europe. Ryan, thank you for your time. And we'll speak again soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you, sir.